Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire. And the Pro Football Radio Senior Contributor, Ed Burgess, a.k.a. Burge. Fellas, welcome in Podcast 104. How y'all doing? Doing good, doing good. Now, now, now Jay, I, I think I'm speaking for Burge here. We, we gotta ask, how are you doing... You know, a couple of days removed from the game, Ohio State, Michigan. Are, you know, are you okay? Like, did, there are a couple of times I didn't know if we had to drive to Columbus to get the sharp objects away from you. If we needed your sis to like check the closet to make sure there wasn't like a rope or a bungee cord or anything like that. Talk us through. Are, are you okay? Are you in a good spot? Yeah, so, you know, after after the game ended and I went to the bathroom and I was, uh, you know, cleaning my hands, I saw a bucket of bleach sitting next to the uh, the oh, counter, God. and it took everything in my power not to drink that, okay? <laughs> it, it was one of the most, you know, excruciating losses for me, and it's, it's hard to explain the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry for people that aren't in it, but, you know, the Buckeyes can go winless all year long, but as long as they beat Michigan, we're good. And if we go undefeated and lose to Michigan, it's a lost season for us. Ryan Day, after the game, said that this is basically a wasted, failed season for them because they didn't meet Michigan. And, and that's how we feel right now. It, it sucks, It's uh, especially with Michigan taking all kinds of shots. But that's okay. They won, so they can, uh, they can talk the talk. But it's not a good, it's not a good feeling. Uh, I've only felt this once uh, in the past 15 years. That was in 2011, and that was a different situation because we didn't have a head coach. We were in a transition year, so they beat us when we were down. But this is the first time in 15 years that they beat us where we're, we're good, they were good, and they just they just up-physicaled us, and they were a really better team. So props to them, but we need Ryan Day to get back on, on track, and uh, he's definitely feeling the heat the last couple of uh, days in Columbus. Oh, yeah? I got to say... Oh, yo, expand on that before I go. Yeah, yeah, expand on that because I was going to ask, is like he on so, the hot seat or what? He's So here's, here's the thing with Ryan Day. Right now he's 1-1 one one against Michigan, right? Uh-huh. Um, coming from Jim Trussell, who was 7-0, and Earl Meyer, who was 6-0. So already that 1-1 one one is a little bit of a, a stat that people have thrown around now. The other part of this is he doesn't seem to be a good in-game adjuster because we've seen it now against Alabama last year when he got ran out the building. We saw it this year early on against Oregon when they were doing something that we couldn't stop and never adjusted. And Michigan, all game long, did what they wanted to do and they never adjusted. So, Ryan Day seems to be the kind of guy that's a great recruiter. And in college football, 70% of the time, if you're a great recruiter, you're going to win because you've got superior athletes on the field. And generally speaking, with Ryan Day and his teams, if he has the elite talent and he comes out and his game plan is going well, he's going to win by 50 points. I mean, he is absolutely going to murder everybody. Unfortunately, it seems that his coaching prowess of the X's and O's isn't there. And good coaches like a Nick Saban or Jim Harbaugh now, or a uh, who else was it? Uh, that Mark, Mario Cristobal guy out of Oregon, when they seem to give him two or three different game plans to, to kind of, um, I guess, look at in the game, different looks and stuff they haven't seen before. That's when Ryan Day just doesn't know how to adjust on the fly. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because you guys well, saw, you, you guys saw how badly we lost to Alabama, right, last year. Oh yeah, Devon. Oh, Devon yeah. yeah, you guys are not big football fans, but Devontae Smith ran all over, and nobody stopped him whatsoever. Same thing with that Oregon kid, the running back that ran for like two hundred yards, and then same thing with Michigan. It's basically when it starts to go bad, it's it's basically a wrap. He can't adjust and bring it back uh, to to the fold. 
Hmm. I'll, I'll say this. That game, I turned it on. I think there was about, I think there was like about five minutes left in the third quarter. It was the first college football I've watched all year. Mm-hmm. And you guys have been on my case about picking a team to, you know, follow in college football. And the environment that was mm-hmm. going on at the big house on Saturday with the snow coming down and just how loud it was. Everything about it just made me pick Michigan. And it, I'm not just doing this in spite of you, Jay, here. You might think know. that because of the Ohio Absolutely. State no, I thing. Don't. But... I don't think that at all. I, I think they're a great, rich tradition. And and I, I'm i like, please, you picked a really good blue blood college football team that's going to be around for the next 10 years with Jim Harbaugh. Like, the future is looking really I, bright for you guys. The, 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 the environment at the big house mm-hmm. that night, I was just just watching it. I was like, I was in awe. And I know a lot of college stadiums are like that. Mm-hmm. But it just, just watching that game just made me like, you know, I'm going to pick Michigan. I, I've always joked about oh, I'm a Michigan guy because of Tom Brady and all this and that. But I never actually, like, cared. So I'm going to make a conscious effort the rest of this season and going forward to actually start, like, investing a bit in watching this team. Because... Uh, Jim Harbaugh, I loved him with the 49ers. I, I thought I enjoyed watching his teams play. So I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot and, and see if I can get really into college football. Yeah, and this is this is welcome yeah, aboard, welcome aboard, Bergie. Proud of you, proud of you. And like I said, like I think this is wonderful. It's, it's a great, great program, and it's the best time to jump on because now they're playing in the Big Ten championship game on uh, Saturday night against Iowa, and there's there's a good chance they're gonna win uh, over Iowa fairly easily, um, and they're gonna go to the playoffs. And when they get to the playoffs, this is the crazy part about this year. There's no dominant teams this year. Like Alabama's having issues. Um, you know, Ohio State's falling off already. Oklahoma's not there anymore. You've got coaches leaving programs left and right. So a lot of it's mm-hmm. wide open right now. So there's a good chance you guys, Michigan, might get paired up with a really, really bad team in Cincinnati. Um, and Cincinnati, for people that don't really watch much college football, they're not in the Power 5 conference. They're not in the, the Big Ten, SEC, Pac-12, or, you know, uh, Big 12, where the, the competition is just so tough. They're in a smaller league. It's called the American mm-hmm. Conference, and they got smaller teams. But if they somehow sneak into the playoffs and you guys play them round one, dude, you're, you guys are going to steamroll Cincinnati, and then you're in the championship game. And then who knows what happens in the championship games, right? You might play Georgia or Alabama. So it's, uh, it's an interesting year, and this is probably a good time for you to see what Michigan football is all about. Yep, I'll always be a fan. I'll be a fan of Michigan, and I'm always going to be a fan of anybody that beats Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. No matter what, Thank I'll jump God. on that bandwagon. Any Thank team God. that plays Notre Dame, I'm on board. Yeah. Including Ohio State, my now rival. <laughs> my now rival. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's perfect, man. Listen, it's, it's a fun rivalry to be a part of, man. And if you ever get a chance to come out to the big house, uh, next year it's in Columbus, but the year after that it's in Ann Arbor. If you're still up to it, I'm, I'm sure I'll be up there. We can meet up and go watch that game. That'd be solid. Yeah. Um, and then the final piece of news uh, looks like a coaching, uh, and this might have a little bit of NFL implication as well. Uh, Brian Kelly left uh, Notre Dame for LSU, and then Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma for USC. Two fairly big, monumental moves in college football because that really doesn't happen. Coaches leaving big programs like that, but. The reason why I bring it up is because, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's name has been mentioned with the Oklahoma job. Uh, There's rumblings that he could potentially go to Oklahoma and take over that program. So, you know, off the top of my head, I don't don't need you guys' analysis on that. I'm just bringing it up for for debate. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where college football is going to be shaken up for the next, like, you know, couple of weeks. And you're going to see a lot of movement. And don't be surprised if you see more NFL head coaches' names get thrown around for potential uh, potential job landings. I mean... 
Oh, go, go, go for it, Birch. Go, go, go. I was just going to say, with, with Cliff Kingsbury potentially going back to college, can you really blame him after mm-hmm. the details that we saw that yep. we were sharing in the Twitter chat of the contract and the Unreal. benefits that Lincoln Riley got at Unreal. USC? That is absolutely insane that a college football coach is going to get that. Yeah. Unbelievable. The private jet, you know, unlimited use, the, mm-hmm. the house, you know. Unbelievable. Yeah, I've got the details here. Houses. Yeah, I've got the full details here. $110 million is his contract. They're going to buy both of his Norman, Oklahoma residents for $500,000 above market value. So that's a million dollars right there. They're going to buy him a $6 million house in LA. And then they're going to give him 24 7 access uh, and unlimited use of the private jet. So, you know, all in all, over his $100 million, he still has another like $10 million worth of perks coming his way. Have That's we seen nuts. any details about Brian Kelly's contract? Uh, it's like a, it's like a ninety-five million dollars base incentives can drive it up to about a hundred, ten hundred, twenty million dollars. So, and from what I've heard, those incentives are fairly easy to hit. Uh, plus, it's a nine-year contract, not ten years, so that's uh, the numbers get bigger per year, um, and it, those incentives are going to push them way over hundred million easily. That's so there's nuts. no way any NFL coaches get that kind of contract. Mm-hmm. Like no doubt. No doubt, and, and and really just to like piggyback off of the, the college coaching thing and just to bring it to, to the NFL real quick, I mean, look at look at Monday Night Football last night, right? Like there's the Seattle Seahawks, they, their season's done. Like mm-hmm. we can all agree on that. Like they're, they're what, like three and three and seven, three and eight at this point. Russell Wilson mm-hmm. looks bad. I mean, there's been reports in the offseason that Russ wants out and there might be a line of demarcation between like, what is Paul Allen's sister? Uh, I forget her name, but she she took over the Seattle Seahawks when Paul Allen died. What is she going to do if you know Pete Carroll or Russell Wilson goes up to the uh, up to the owner's box and says, "Listen, it's either me or Russ, or it's me or Pete Carroll and John Snyder." Like, what is she going to do? And I think we can all agree that Russell Wilson is going to be traded in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Like, he wants out of Seattle. Uh, the writing was on the wall. I think this was their last chance, like the you know, like the last dance of like the the Netflix ESPN special uh, with with Michael Jordan. They're clearly this season's a wrap. Does anybody think you know Pete Carroll? Is he anyone think he might go to to, to Notre Dame if if the offer is right? Because personally, Ooh. I think he is. He's seventy years old. Russell Wilson is going to be out the door. Does he really want to go to a rebuild? And like, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of you know NFL job offers because I, I unless like Dallas opens up, but I think Kellen Moore is going to get that job, and I don't think Pete Carroll's going to go down to Vegas. I personally am in the camp of maybe he goes to Notre Dame. I just don't know if Notre Dame's going to ride it out to the end of the season. Like, what do you guys think? I think uh, I go ahead, George. Go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, Pete Carroll being seventy years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're trying That's to build a program, like yeah. Do you really want to start over building a program with a guy who's 70, 70 years old? And I'm not trying to be like an age-ism guy here, but I mean, just think about it. Like, he's uh, does Pete Carroll w- even want to do that? Like, uh, I have to think that Pete Carroll might be done if he gets if he goes out of out of Seattle, you know, yeah. this year. I I think he might 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 end his career. So with college football, it's a little different from the NFL, where the NFL it's a two three year max 
project, and if it's not working out, you're gone as a head coach. With college football, if you start looking around, you'll see, you know, first time around, Pete Carroll spent a decade in USC. Mm-hmm. You know, Urban Meyer spent a decade at Ohio State. You're looking at uh, Lincoln Riley spent seven years in Oklahoma. You saw Nick Saban spending more than a decade at Alabama. It's it's going to be a 10-year project at least. Uh, and that's the commitment that Notre Dame's going to want out of Pete Carroll. And I don't know if an 80-year-old coach is something they want on the sidelines, right? That's going to be something that's that's um, not unheard of, but it's just it just for the optics of recruiting young talent and connecting with kids nowadays. It might not work in his best interest. However, yeah. Luke Fickle's name, he's the current coach at Cincinnati, and he's done a great job building that Cincinnati program into what used to be a laughing stock, truthfully, because they weren't in a big power five. They actually beat Notre Dame this year, Luke Fickle's Cincinnati team, in, in South Bend, and they're on the verge of going to a playoff. So I think Luke Fickle's probably going to be the guy that they're going to want to you know, touch base with at Notre Dame. But the rest of these guys, like Cliff Kingsbury, man, he, he would be dumb if he didn't listen to what Oklahoma has to say. And and you saw from his remarks how he was so, you know, dancing around the subject. He didn't come out and say firmly, like, Mike Tomlin, I'm not going to Oklahoma. He he's clearly has some interest. And I think he and his offense would attract so many quarterbacks to Oklahoma. Because think about it, Oklahoma, for being where it's at in the middle of the country with not much to offer can offer quarterbacks a path to the Heisman to the NFL. You saw Kyler Murray do it. You saw Baker Mayfield do it. You saw other other quarterbacks I'm missing right now. Jalen Hurts was their latest guy. You know, if you go to Oklahoma as a quarterback and Cuff Kingsbury, your head coach, there's a really good chance you can go to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, yeah, I'm with you on that because these contracts that are being given out that we just saw this last week are There's absolutely absurd. No NFL team that could match that how, ever. How, how ever? This makes me question like Tomlin's response to mm-hmm. to what yep. USC was doing. Like, what do you like? Yeah. Why would you not entertain that? Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about that USC uh, information we got is USC is a private university, so they disclose nothing. So those numbers right. that we're getting could be inflated. I wonder if those numbers are, hey, listen, I don't want the real numbers out there, but this is a general ballpark. This is what it is. And I, if I found Mike Tomlin, I don't know why I don't listen to that. Like, clearly, you know, in Pittsburgh, he's having an issue right now with the team falling apart. Big Ben can't throw the football anymore. You've got uh, coach. That's not his name. Geriatric Ben. Geriatric Big Ben can't throw the football anymore. Claypool wants to have fun in practice and wants music and wants to dance around. (laughs) Juju's making TikToks left and right. Like if I'm if I'm Mike Tomlin, I'm like, yo, let me double my salary instantly. Go to USC where he probably will dominate. He's that much of a charismatic coach that he can pull in recruits and build that program back to to what it used to be. And and the best thing about this is, and this is the, the talk, this is the point we haven't talked about. Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma because they're going to the SEC, the hardest division. He to did win. not want to get he railroaded. He wanted no part. He wanted no mm-hmm. part of Nick Saban just running it down his throat every single year. However, at the Pac-12, who do you got to beat? Oregon, Utah State, Arizona, Arizona State. I mean UCLA. Like at what point? Like which of those teams scare you besides Oregon? Oregon State. So I, I, if I'm Tomlin, I don't know why I was so defiant and not making looking at the numbers and the contracts. Well, if he's not going to play music at practice, you, you know, you're not going to do that with kids. Dude, that's, a, that's a great point, Puma. That that's you, you said it jokingly, but the but it's a fact. Game, It'd be like fact. Arnold Schwarzenegger and like Kindergarten Cop, you know, like trying to trying to corral like the kindergartners. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like you you start recruiting these kids when they're 15. 
How is Mike Tomlin going to go into a, a living room and relate to a 15-year-old kid? He probably uh, can't. Jay Chima, Jay Chima, I'm here to recruit you for USC. <laughs> and uh, I just want to say um, we want volunteers, not hostages. Exactly. And listen, yeah. I love Mike Tomlin. I love Mike Tomlin. You get the best quotes out of him. I'm at work. I reference the we want volunteers, not hostages quote all the time but like there's no way he can go into a living room coming off of like hardest nails iced up with the crucifix mm -hmm. like expecting this kid to like go to class right jay like you you mm -hmm. explain this to me because i had this question about like defenses in college like go to class and then you're going to come do like a weightlifting program and then we're going to do practice for three hours and we're not going to have fun like there's mm -hmm. no like he might be run out of usc after one year you know being a, a dictator at that point yeah and that's why the lincoln riley hiring was was key because he's only what 37 38 if i have that correct something you know, like that under still, 40. he's still a young-ish coach that can relate to kids and he's gonna sell usc on the fun aspect and Pete Carroll back in the day would have music blurring up practices and he would have yeah, Will Snoop Dogg there. Snoop Dogg would be on the sidelines. So I think I think Lincoln Riley is probably gonna have to use that fun factor. And if he can wall off the great state of California and the recruits that come out of there, like think about the recruits that have come out of California just this year alone. Bryce Young starting quarterback in the win the Heisman at Alabama. He's from Southern California. CJ Stroud from California. He, he's a quarterback at Ohio State. Uh, the number one overall pick probably that Devon Thibodeau kid up there uh, up there in Oregon, a defensive lineman. He's from Southern California. And that's just the three big headliners there. There's so much talent in that California, um, Southern California range that if he can put a wall around that and keep the Ohio States, Michigan's, Alabama's out, I guarantee you next year you might see some great results. You, actually, you're seeing it now. I sent something to Puma before he jumped on. A, a number two overall, uh, the, the second highest graded um, quarterback coming out of the 2023 class just committed to uh, USC today because of Lincoln Riley. So before Jeez. long, he's going to have that program turned around. <laughs> mm-hmm. I tell you what, it's going to be fun to watch, though, man, because when USC is good, if USC, Texas, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, and Notre Dame are good, it's going to be a fun college football season. So, Bergy, uh, we came in just at the right time, is what Jay's yeah, telling us. Sounds like, yeah, sounds <laughs> let's go, like, brother. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Do, do you think there's any other major shoes yeah, to drop yeah, it's for gonna college football? It's going to happen because, because Oklahoma and Notre Dame are going to – because the cycle's going to repeat itself. Oklahoma and Notre Dame are going to... Not Notre Dame, but Oklahoma's definitely going to go and try to throw a big contract at somebody. And whoever that coach is, is probably coming from a big school as well. So it's probably going to fall, and then the domino's going to fall for that school as well. You feel me? Yep, yep. It could be just an absolute domino effect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've, uh, I've started hearing your boy Lynn Kiffin's name again uh, a couple times in these circles, not Puma. Uh, my personal take, just knowing like the Lane Kiffin fiasco with, with the Raiders and then, you know, Tennessee with the Rocky Top comments and trying to, I, I think at the time, am I correct in understanding? I think it was, he was taking shots at Urban Meyer when he was the yeah, head coach of Florida, he, he like, and then like shit. off the field issues. Like, I don't think really anyone's going to touch him with a 10 foot pole. And I, I just, I, I think he's got a decent amount of pull. Uh, at, at Ole Miss, unless like things change with Miami, maybe he jumps ship. But I, I don't know if you really want him in Miami <laughs> with mm -hmm. with some of his off field issues. And you know, I I don't want my head coach to leave. I just found a team. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So yeah. let's uh, let's stay with the Rebs. Let's uh, let's go hottie toddy, and uh, maybe I'll see him in the Grove next year. But um, definitely a good time, a good time to get into the pool of college football, Bergie. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and then a foul comment. I promise we'll get more to the NFL. But this weekend is going to be championship weekend where you have the Big 12 championship, the SEC championship, the uh, Big 10 championship. All these games are going to be played. And usually the last two or three weeks of the college football season, all hell breaks loose. You you saw last week with the big upsets in Ohio State Michigan. You're going to see a couple big upsets this weekend. And you're going to see more. that bedlam. Exactly. You're going to start seeing more head coaching uh, changes happen. So definitely a good time to keep an eye on these storylines. But... Let's move on to the crux of the podcast. We've got week 13 of the NFL to preview. And the first game we're going to be touching on is going to be the 7-4 Dallas Cowboys taking on the 5-6 New Orleans Saints on Thursday Night Football. Uh, big headlines out of this game is Dallas has lost three out of four games now. And Mike McCarthy has the COVID and won't be uh, coaching on the sidelines. It looks like Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator, is going to be filling in for, for Mike McCarthy. So with that being said, Puma, I'll turn over to you first. Who do you got winning this game on Thursday Night Football? I mean, you know, like looking at this, you know, like you said, Dallas has lost. You know, he's, they're, they're, they're on a, a losing streak. That was it? They lost three out of four. Mm-hmm. And they weren't even in, like, close fashions. Like, they, they lost in overtime. And it was an ugly game on Thanksgiving against the Raiders. They got smoked out by, by Denver, like, if you just looked at the box score, yeah, okay, it looked close. But in reality, it really wasn't. Um, you know, Dak, Dak has been doing Dak things with the offensive line. has been dinged up at times. Zeke Elliott, he's got a knee issue. Now, after the Thanksgiving fiasco against the Raiders, like right after the game, you had reports coming out that they might sit Zeke to rest up the knee. But then you got Jared Jones going on <laughs> Dallas radio today saying, uh, we expect Zeke to get a full workload. So honestly, who really knows? Uh, you know, Amari Cooper, he may not even go because he's still showing symptoms of COVID. He, like, you know, it, it may be like CeeDee Lamb if he clears concussion protocol, Michael Gallup, and then Cedric Wilson with, I think, a heavy dose of Tony Pollard. Personally, if Zeke's playing, I think he's going to be limited to maybe 15 touches. If that, I think it's going to be the Tony Pollard show. But all that being said... Because the Saints have just been an absolute dumpster fire with Trevor Simeon. They've gone 0-4 since he's taken over. Um, Taysom Hill, my air quote favorite quarterback of all time, Taysom Hill. Uh, he, He might get the starting nod, but I'm leaving work today. And Taysom Hill, he hasn't even really been declared the official starter because he's been limited with a foot injury at practice. So, I mean, right now... I got to lean Dallas. The over-unders four and a half, the over-unders 47 last time I looked. It might have changed. The point spread is four and a half uh, with Dallas being the favorite. I mean, I got to go Dallas winning outright, but with like the Saints getting Kamara back and Mark Ingram and, and whatnot, I think you're going to see a heavy dose of those two guys. I, I think New Orleans keeps it close within the number of four and a half, but I think Dallas wins. But it's going to be an ugly game on Thursday, in my opinion. Like, you got Mike McCarthy, the head coach, out with COVID, and he's on Dallas radio, and he, like, refuses to say that Dan Quinn's the interim head coach. I think he said, like, he's going to be a liaison of some sort. Who knows, man? But I got Dallas winning this game. You know what that is, right? I, I think he's trying to circumvent the fact that if the Dallas Cowboys look good, with all the media heat on McCarthy already, mm-hmm. then the whole push mm-hmm. is going to become what well, exactly. really McCarthy. I think, I think he it. understands where he stands with the organization, and he's trying to circumvent that. Yep, yep. Puma, you kind of hit everything on the head there. I The Saints have been such an absolute dumpster fire with Trevor Simeon. I'll be honest, when he was announced as starting quarterback for the Saints, 
I didn't even know this guy was still in the league. Mm-hmm. He he was he was awful with Denver when he was there. He was supposed to be the successor to Peyton Manning, and he just was never anything good. Um, they have looked awful. They looked awful on Thanksgiving night against the Bills. You know, granted they had both their running backs out, but still they could not do anything to to make up for the, the you know those injuries. I mean, Trevor Seaman could not move the ball through the air at all. Um, Dallas, I mean, Mike McCarthy being out for them, like you said, Puma, could be a blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Quinn obviously has had his struggles. We all know 28-3, to all this and that. But he did take a team to the Super Bowl uh, with Matt Ryan, at quarterback. I just – the Saints have shown me nothing without mm-hmm. James Winston back there. Even Taysom Hill would be better than this in my opinion. But they've shown me nothing since then for me to pick against them. I think Dallas is going to win outright here. I honestly think they're going to cover because I do believe CeeDee Lamb is going to play in this game. Um, even if Zeke is limited, I have full confidence in Tony, Tony Pollard to you know carry the load in that absence. I think I, Tony Pollard is probably, I'd say, maybe my top backup spell running back in the league. He's, he's right up there uh, with anybody else out there. So uh, give me Dallas winning outright, covering the four and a half in this game. I, I, I Like you said, Puma, it's going to be an ugly game, but I, I think Dallas is going to find a way to make it work. Parker agrees he went with the Cowboys uh, to win this game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you guys as well. I think the Cowboys are going to win this game just because the, 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 the Saints are just so bad. And and Taysom Hill, the guy can't throw. Looks like he's probably going to be the starting quarterback. Obviously, you know, Sean Payne hasn't uh, confirmed that yet, but it's it's definitely something that we'll have to keep an eye on. But I just got no faith in, in the New Orleans Saints trying to move the ball effectively on a consistent basis. Um, you know, even though the Dallas Cowboys are going into the Thunderdome on a Thursday night, I'm sure it's going to be raucous and loud in there. I still have them putting up somewhere between 28 to 31 points up on the board. And if that's the case, I, I just don't see Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill or a duo of those, of those two quarterbacks trying to match um, Dak Prescott. Now... The only concern I really have is the Cowboys are in a little bit of a free fall right now. They're, they've lost three out of the last four games. Um, they've looked decent at times against the Raiders on Thanksgiving, but they also look pretty bad as well at times. So that's the only concern I have. But for the most part, I think we're all in agreement here. The Cowboys are going to win this game fairly easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I Honestly, I think I think Diggs is going to get a pick six. Like I think he's going to get on track because, I mean, I, I, I've said this you know on Twitter. I've said this on the, on the show. You know, Taysom Hill is Tim Tebow 1.2. Like, everything, every time he throws, it's like an effort. It's like an arm punt. And we've seen enough of Trevor, Trevor Simeon over this four-game stretch that, yep. yeah, um, Diggs could bring it home for a house call. So maybe if that happens, they'll end up covering. But I, this is just going to be a slop fest. Oh, my God. Let's Next part, game. Part of, me, part of me hopes Taysom Hill goes absolutely off so next week can be fun. Yeah, so then you have to find a new host because I jumped off the roof of my house. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. Parker, Parker, your first words are point spread. That's your first words. Let's go. Yeah, point spread. Anywho. Yeah. All right, uh, the 5-6 and six Washington football team is taking on the 6-5 and five Las Vegas Raiders in. All of a sudden, the Washington football team has won three straight games in a row. We watched them last night on Monday Night Football. Uh, lead a uh, lead a great time to close out that game. Puma, how are you feeling about Taylor Heineke? Are you are you like losing your mind? Do you have pants tense action? What's going on right now? You know, I don't have a I don't have pants tense a- pants oh, okay. tent action. 
yet. But I mean, listen, like the first, the first, you know, half of the season before the bye week, you know, they they were asking Taylor Heineke to throw the ball a lot. The defense was in free fall. They really didn't have a team identity at that point. But coming out of the bye week, man, like Taylor Heineke is taking what the defense gives him. And I'm sorry, Heineke, just because my wife, you know, hates it when I do that. But I don't really fucking care. Um, I love oh, me some okay. Taylor Heineke. Right. I love me some Taylor Heineke. I'm a little sore about fantasy football. I, I needed a miracle. It didn't happen because they ran the football a shit ton last night. So I, I'm a little bit on tilt still. But besides the point, Heineke is doing what, you know, he should be doing. He's managing the game. He's taking what the defense has given him. And I, I think we can all agree that play against Seattle last night, I believe it was the second quarter, where he looked dead to rights. I thought he was going to be sacked. The, the drive was going to be stalled. And the dude just wormed his way out and, like, took, you know, wormed his way out, threw the check down, moved the chains, got the first down. And, I mean, this kid's got moxie. And right now, coming out of the bye week, Washington has really started getting an identity. They're getting those 10-minute drives. Jay, you know this from the Tampa Bay game. Fuck. Like, what they've been doing lately has just been road-grading slow churning, you know, establish the run type of drives with Antonio Gibson, who in my opinion hasn't even hit his peak yet because coming out of college at Memphis, he uh, he was really a wide receiver. He only took 10 snaps at the running back position. So he's still learning the position as a running back in the NFL right now. I don't think we've really seen his true potential as a, a running back in Washington, but they're just driving these, you know, these, these drives out. We, you know, Seattle was on the field for about 45 minutes last night. They didn't want to tackle anybody at the end of the game. Um, and I, I just like the the attitude that Ron Rivera is bringing this team right now. And if you look at this game, they let's say they win against the Raiders, and I personally think they're going to do, and I swear to God I'm going to get to that point as to why. Like, they win this game. The next, the next five games are in the division. They get Dallas twice. They get the Giants two more times. I believe they face the Eagles once. Like, they go 4-1 and one in the division. They're winning the NFC East. Uh, but getting to this game, the Las Vegas Raiders, yes, Derek Carr is undefeated when he's throwing for 300-plus yards. But this defense has really rounded a corner, even with the loss of Montez Sweat with the fractured jaw and losing Chase Young with the with the torn ACL for the season. This is a defense that we thought we were going to get at the beginning of the year. And the offensive line for, for the uh, the Raiders can be had from time to time. Leatherwood, their first-round draft pick, he's not a turnstile, but you're guaranteed to get at least two false starts in, in, in the game that may stall a drive out or two. The secondary has been pretty decent over the three-game stretch. Uh, Washington is a two and a half point dog on the road against the Raiders. Um, I love the Raiders. Jay, I don't want to get shot by your sister, but I think Washington is just on a hot streak right now. And I think, you know, Terry McLaurin is going to take advantage of the secondary of the Las Vegas Raiders. I, I think this is going to be kind of a sneaky shootout just because of the secondaries for both teams. The over under is 48 and a half. I lean towards the over, but I love Washington to win outright. I'm going to be the uh, contrarian here because I have a feeling I know where Jay's going with this one. Jay, your sister ain't going to shoot me with my take on this. I, I have the Raiders winning this game outright and covering the two and a half points. I think even though Darren Waller is dinged up for the Las Vegas Raiders, I think Hunter Renfro is going to be in for a day here. Um, he's a guy I'd want to see signed by, by my Patriots. He fits that mold. He's just been a target hawk uh, all, you know, 
all season, really. I mean, he's been a real stable fantasy player uh, for my team here. Uh, I like Josh Jacobs. They, they, they had a solid win last week against the Cowboys. Yes, it took them to get to overtime, but, I mean, I didn't really give them a chance to win that game. I thought the Cowboys were going to handle their business last week. They showed me a little something last week. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of your boy on the Raiders defense there, Puma Max Crosby. I, I like him to have himself a day. And, you know, if, if if the football team finds a way to win this game, I mean, look out for them because, like you said, Puma, they got all divisional matchups to end the season. I mean, I don't know if there's many teams that actually have that built into their schedule where they're really going to control their destiny uh, going into the, uh, you know, the late stages of the season in the playoffs. So, uh, I, I am going to go with the Raiders here to, to cover and win outright. Parker agrees. Uh, he was pretty emphatic about agreeing with this pick oh. here. Part of what's swaying my decision a bit here. Also, I just want to hear a blow-up next week from, from Puma <laughs> about how the, the football team lays an egg. Um, but, yeah, give me the Raiders. Parker takes the Raiders as well. Uh, yeah, let's go, let's go Derek Carr. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm right there with you, uh, Parker, and my sister. I'm taking the Raiders to win this game. And listen, I, I've I've been really impressed with the Washington football team and the formula they found. And the formula is absolutely wonderful for cold Northeast football, like what you've seen last night, where they run the ball, they keep it away, 19 yards. I'm sorry, 19 plays, 80 yards, 10 minutes, 26 seconds to close out against the uh, the Buccaneers a few weeks ago, and then obviously last night they kept the ball away from Seattle as well, and that works wonderful in the Northeast in the cold. However, this game is inside in Las Vegas, and my fear is if the Raiders get up to a big lead and they take the ball out of the running back's hands. Um, obviously, Washington football team will have to match point for point with the Raiders. If the Raiders go off, that's when you put the game on Taylor Heineken. Sure, we all love him, but do I think he's going to throw for 400 yards, 350 yards in Las Vegas and beat them? I don't think so. So while I do like what the Washington football team is doing and what they're going to be, how they're going to be able to beat some of these teams in the cold in the next month or so, I think for this game, I think the matchup favors the Raiders. Um, and, and the other part of this is, I, I'm really impressed with the Raiders and what they've done so far. Like, they've been up and down all year, and that's to be expected because of all the turmoil they've had, whether John Gruden or Henry Ruggs or whoever it is. But I, I did not expect them to come out and win on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys in Dallas. I mean, that's that's like the that's, that's like the holy grail for Dallas Cowboy <coughs> fans is Thursday, you know, Thursdays, Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving Thursdays, and they watch their team and they watch their team play against, uh, you know, blow somebody out. But I, I didn't expect them to go into Dallas and win, and they did, and, and I'm a bit impressed with them so far. So that's why I'm taking them to win this game. All right. It's fine. Uh, I'll be comfortable <laughs> on my island drinking my tea like Kermit the Frog once uh, Washington comes out with the W. Yeah. You mean now, whiskey. Now, you mean whiskey, you, not tea. Yeah, the Puma, like, I, I know you're a Taylor Heineke fan, but do you think he can, let's say Derek Hart does get to that magic number of 300 yards and they're putting up points, do you think he can go point for point with Derek Hart? Without the running oh, game, obviously. It, I mean, we saw... Minute? We saw, and you know, I'm not going to look through rose-colored glasses with with Heineke. You know, there were times last night he had one interception. In reality, he he should have had two. Like there were a couple of throws that were just you know lame ducks. He didn't really drive the ball forward. But uh, I think he's going to get he's going to get something going with Terry McLaurin and, and Deami Brown and 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 a couple of the other guys, Sims and whatnot. And JD McKissick, he might be out, but he's a great pass catching running back too. Like I think they're going to by hook or by crook get the offense going. He's going to have to succeed through the air. But I mean, really, like who, 
Damon Arnett, like air quote, was their best cornerback, and they let him go three weeks ago because of the gun, in, you know, Snapchat video we put up. Like you're telling me, like Terry McLaurin's gonna get locked up by any of those second those corners in that secondary? Like I think he's got some wiggle. I think he's gonna burn uh, Jonathan Abram because I've said it last week on the pod uh, that Jonathan Abram is really just Jamal Adams 2.0. He's a liability mm-hmm. in coverage. Like, I, I think they're going to get a connection going. He's going to break free a couple of times. And, yeah, I think I think he can go toe-to-toe with Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. And if, if that's the case, and if they somehow come up with a victory, you know, in an effort where Taylor Heineke is your guy throwing you to victory, then you've got a really dangerous Washington football team on your hand because now they can win mm-hmm. one way, they can run the ball, they can throw the ball, and that defense is playing really well. That is something, if I'm the Cowboys, looking at and really terrified of over the next couple of weeks or so. And not to mention, they, they have a really, really good coach in Ron Rivera mm-hmm. they do. out there. Oh, my yeah. God. That post-game video, if none of you guys have seen that post-game video from last night, find it on the Washington football team Instagram or Twitter page. Bro, I, I, I even showed my wife that. I'm like, I'm ready to run through a brick wall for this dude. Like, let's friggin' go. Ron yeah. Rivera's the man. I love that dude. Yeah. He was coming off the field all fired up as well. It was, it was good to see that. He's know? dropping F-bombs. Was, yeah. My God. With everything he's been through, man, and, you know, all the, the battles he's had with the battles he had with cancer and everything else that goes into it, he just seems like he's a great, humble, good dude, and it's good to see he's having some success with that team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Right, let's move on to the Sunday Night Football matchup. The 6-5 and five Denver Broncos are coming off of a win against my beloved Chargers, who seem to be falling off of a fucking mountain, against the 7-4 and four Kansas City Chiefs. And Puma, I'm going to start with you. Who do you got winning this game? I mean, I'm going to go with Kansas City winning this game uh, just because it, it seems like they've righted the ship. And I know, you know, I've brought this up on the last three episodes. That, you know, acquisition of Melvin Ingram mm-hmm. is really a key part of that defense because they move Chris Jones inside. Frank Clark is actually starting to be the Frank Clark that he should be as a defender on the line. And it just seems it, you're getting people back in their natural positions. They're getting interior pressure uh, on, on the quarterback. Steve Spagnolo isn't really hanging out his secondary to drive to to dry without having any pressure up front. And Mahomes is actually, you know, doing the quarterback thing, like taking the passes underneath and whatnot. But um looking looking here, I do like Kansas City to win this game outright, especially if you look at the track record of Andy Reid coming off of a bye. Um I, I think he's it's almost like a, a perfect record at this point, or maybe he's got like less than a handful of losses, but he's a savage when he comes off a of bye week. But I do think the Denver Broncos keep it close. I do think they keep it within the number right now. The, uh, the point spread is Denver as 10 point uh, dogs on the road in Arrowhead. Uh, but you know, this seems to have been a formula over the last three games. They've won by big numbers and two out of the three. And they really have done that by establishing the run. Like Javante Williams, the, uh, the I believe he was the second round draft pick out of the University of North Carolina. I was really hoping the Miami Dolphins would have snagged him in the draft, but we didn't. Uh, he's really started to establish himself as a potential RB1 behind... Um, behind uh gordon uh back there for for uh for denver but you know teddy bridgewater he did get dinged up but i think a teddy bridgewater on one leg with uh, an injured shin is better than drew lock at this point Mm -hmm. uh the defense 
believe it or not, like the Denver Broncos defense has played better without mm-hmm. Von Miller there. Like, and mm-hmm. that's that's kind of insane to me because they just got Brandon Chubb off of injured reserve. So he wasn't even there the whole season. And they've been playing as a better unit uh, for the Denver Broncos. Uh, Vic Fangio needs this game uh, to keep his job. And I mean, you really wouldn't know this, but like this is actually a battle for first place. Like they're mm-hmm. they're almost tied for the division lead at this point. But um, I think Kansas City squeaks out the win. I do like Denver to cover the ten points, though. Yeah, I mean, I, the Broncos have been just far too inconsistent for me this year. You know, they're getting blown out in games, obviously by the Philadelphia Eagles a couple weeks ago. And then, then they're blowing out teams like the Chargers. Like they, they've been so inconsistent with how they've they've played uh, throughout the season. And Kansas City is the team in the AFC. As you know, a Patriots fan, the only team that really truly scares the bejesus out of me. You know, going into the playoffs and going deep into the season here, um, they like. <clears throat> excuse me, like you said, Puma, they seem to have righted the ship uh, in terms of their defense. Uh, I agree with you. Melvin Ingram has been a, an absolute stud of an acquisition uh, for this team for the reason that they were able to move Chris Jones into his natural position. And uh, against the Cowboys, uh, I believe before their bye, they, he was an absolute stud in that game. He was creating havoc for Dak Prescott, uh, you know, in the backfield there. He couldn't – Prescott couldn't do anything in that game. So – uh, the defense for Kansas City has absolutely come around. I was not in that ballpark the last time we talked about the Chiefs on the pod, but after what I saw against the Cowboys in that game, is you'd be dumb to argue against that. They seem to have figured that out. Patrick Mahomes again, I'm kind of beating dead horse here. He's he's taken the you know the checkdowns now. He's not trying to make too much out of everything uh, in terms of his throws. Um, they seem to be. Uh, on, on a bit of a roll right now. And uh, I, I have the Chiefs winning this game outright and covering. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to say it's going to be a blowout, but I, I, a, ten, a two touchdown win in, in this game is, is, is where <coughs> I think it's going to be. I think that the Chiefs are going to take care of their business, knowing that they, they, they kind of laid eggs early in the season and they're trying to, you know, continue the upward trend uh, that they've been building over the last few weeks. Um, Parker agrees with me. He has the Chiefs winning this game. Um, look out for Kansas City. They're, they're a team to really be afraid of going down the stretch in the season here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the matchup that I'm really like, you know, excited to see is how is Patrick Sertan going to be used? Is he going to be on Tyreek? Yes. Because Sertan, I'm watching this Chargers-Broncos game, and he's he's leaping off the field, man. He, he's given, he was giving Justin Herbert fits all day long, and and yes, the Broncos defense is playing well. And yes, you know, Sartang is a stud. And, and yes, with the, you know, the, when they took Von Miller off the team, they seem to play better, which which says a lot, by the way. And this is a side note. I wonder just how much of friction Von Miller had over that party where they didn't want to pay him. I wonder if that was a real thing permeated throughout, throughout the locker room because he leaves and they're playing, they're playing really well defense, really good defense. Now, on the other side, I, I think I'm in the camp that I think it's going to be a blowout. I, I'm sorry. I just don't see the Denver Broncos being able to 
play with the Kansas City Chiefs at a high enough level that you know that they can win. I, I think this is going to be like a thirty-eight to twenty-one game. Uh, if I had to guess the final score right now, um, you know Patrick Mahomes is playing well. The offense seems to be coming alive, and like you said, Burge, you know besides the Chiefs uh, and for me the Bills, there's not other teams that scare me as a Patriots fan. So I've got the the Chiefs winning this easily. I think it's going to be over by halftime, truthfully, and we're going to move on from there. Yeah, real quick before we move on to the next game, Jay, I want to I want to get your thoughts on the Chargers because you touched we touched on this a little bit uh, in the preview oh of this, but I want to get your thoughts on the Chargers because they they've they've really disappointed me this year. I really mm-hmm. thought that you know based how they performed early on that they were really going to to make some noise. And like you, I'm not as big of a Herbert fan as you are, but you know I like what they're doing uh, out there in in uh, in Los Angeles uh, early in the season. Yeah, and obviously his performance has has taken him from that elite category that had him the first five weeks down into that just good quarterback to really good quarterback as like tier two, because um, mm-hmm. he has regressed in my opinion. I, I think he's he's not seeing the field as clear as he should be, and a lot of that comes down to yes, the left side of the offensive line is good. But the right side of the offensive line is not really good at all. And they're really getting to him. And, and it's no shock that you're starting to see, you know, on that Thursday, on the Sunday Night Football game against the against the Steelers, you saw him running more. That's not by, you know, just by they started doing that. They have to do that now. They've got to get him on the move, get him away from that pressure coming. But that's not their biggest problem. Their biggest problem with the Chargers is their defense is god-awful. They've given up the most rushing yards in the NFL. The most. Um, and that's something they're gonna have to look in the look to fix in the off season. And with being Brandon Staley, I'm surprised him being a defensive coordinator, a defensive guy, he wasn't able to figure out how to stop that. Maybe he just doesn't have the horses, which I don't buy for some reason because there's some studs on that defense. Maybe it might be a more of a um, you know more of a schematic issue or not getting those guys motivated enough. But everywhere you look, you've got you know. Bosa, you've got Derwin James, you've got that Murray kid, the linebacker out of Oklahoma. There, there's a lot of good talent on that on that defensive side. It's just that they cannot stop the run. They've given up the most yards in the NFL this year on the ground. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. Um, maybe maybe they're a year or two away, but mm-hmm. maybe maybe Herbert's experiencing the sophomore slump that you know a lot of things a lot of you know QBs go through. Um, but you, know, you got to think the future is bright for them. I mean, I, you got to think he's going to get it right, right? Mm. Yeah, so. I, I have a lot of faith in, in Herbert just because he's a really <coughs> smart kid, and and his you know, measurables are off the charts, man. Like his cannon, his arm, the wow factor. He can run, he can move. You guys saw it on that Sunday Night Football game, and mm-hmm. when he has protection, when he has protection, it, it's a wrap. It, it's game over when he has protection. It's just that right side of the offensive line when that breaks down. And, you know, he he gets hit a little bit and he's on the move. The mistakes start to add up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So, so we'll see. We'll see after those guys can turn it around. But now, moving on to the game we're all anticipating this weekend. Monday Night Football, the 8-4 New England Patriots travel up to Orchard Park to take on the 7-4 Buffalo Bills. Puma, I know you're excited. Burge, I know you're excited. I'm excited. Puma, who you got winning this game? You know, I, I'm going to let Burgey take off. Oh, yeah. no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Let Burgey take this off. No, no, you, you no, guys no. Get, you guys get your Patriot love fest out the way, and then I'll bring up the caboose with the with the Bills because we all know you guys are taking the pads. I'm going to be the contrarian. I'm taking the, the Buffalo Bills. The Bills. I'm taking the really? Bills. Really? Well, Jay, you I said got this, the floor first. I said this, I just, I said this two weeks ago, uh, that the Patriots, the only game they're going to lose for the rest of the year is the Buffalo Bills game up in – 
up in Orchard Park. And this is the game that I, I want to see from the Patriots. I had I had no concerns about the Tennessee Titans last week. I mean, they were banged up. They had no Julio Jones, no A.J. Brown, no Derrick Henry. Defensive starters are missing. I don't believe in Ryan Tannehill or Mike Vrabel as the head coach. So I knew that game wasn't going to be a real game. This game, though, this is the game that you measure yourself up with. If the Patriots come out of this with a win, they're Super Bowl contenders. Simply put, I, I have them as Super Bowl contenders if they beat the Buffalo Bills. We've got the best defense in the league. Uh, statistically, we're between one and three for most categories for defense. Um, and the running attack is playing well. And Mac Jones had a great game on Sunday as well. This is the game if they go into Orchard Park and they win, they are Super Bowl contenders. Unfortunately, I have the Buffalo Bills win this game. I just think it's a little bit too much to ask for a young quarterback to go do that on the road on a Monday football game. Um, and I think the Buffalo Bills, I know you don't have much respect for them, Burge. I do think they're a great football team. I think they have had their stumbling, they, they stumbled a little bit, but they're going to be motivated. They know what's on the line. The AFC East is probably on the line here on Monday night, and they're going to come out swinging. And I think it's going to be a close game, but I'm going to give the nod to Buffalo in the realm of, a, let's say, 28, uh, 25, 24 range. Okay. Burge, you want to go? I- you want me? You want to bring up the caboose? <laughs> Go ahead. I'll bring up the caboose. I'll be the deciding factor here. I'll be the one on the island. Let's go. Uh, okay. All right. Now I'm with you, Jay. I think I think this is going to be a very close game. It's going to be a very competitive game. Um, I got Buffalo winning this game. <clears throat> the one thing so far this season that Buffalo has been consistent at is being inconsistent. Like mm-hmm. we saw that week one where they laid the egg against the Steelers. They they laid an egg against the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know. The, the Tennessee Titans, they, that, that was a great game. Uh, they took that down to the wire, but they were on the short end of the stick uh, in, in that one. But, you know, I, I do think they find a way to win this game. The weather is going to play a factor. They seem to have started to get some sort of semblance of a running game with Matt Breida uh, last Thursday, uh, Thanksgiving night against the New Orleans Saints down in the Thunderdome. Uh, but the thing that's going to be a key factor is the loss of Tredavious White. Uh, Tredavious White, he blew his knee out, blew out his ACL, done for the year uh, on Thursday against the Saints. So right now, like the the next man up in in the secondary is going to be uh, Dave Jackson, twenty twenty seventh rounder uh, from uh, the University of Pittsburgh. But you know you got to expect to see some. You know, Tyron Jackson, uh, he, he's kind of the uh, the nickel cornerback in, in, in that nickel package kind of deal. But I think they're going to be doing kind of a, a triage platoon type of situation in that secondary. But, you know, you still got Jordan Poyer there. You got Micah Hyde, uh, you know, back there as well, too. Um, Tremaine Edmonds should be a go in this game. I think Leslie Frazier is going to be able to dial up some type of exotic blitz packages here. You're going to need to get a lot out of this defensive line uh, against the New England Patriots, especially to stop the run. Like that's the what like right now. Besides Tre'Davious White being out, which again huge loss, this team can be beaten on the ground, and New England can run the the hell out of the football. Uh, so they're going to have to get tough in the trenches. Uh, we're going to see need to see a lot more out of AJ Epinesa and and Ed Oliver and and whatnot. Uh, Star Lutalele, hopefully he'll be back in this game. He's a big key to that run defense. Um, I think this is going to be a close game. Uh, the the point spread has been fluctuating from times from New England as a three point dog to two and a half. Uh, right now, if you look on DraftKings, the unofficial official sports book of the pod, Buffalo is laying two and a half points. Uh, I'm with you, Jay. I think this is going to be a field goal game, uh, but I do like Buffalo in this spot at home. 
And before you go, Burge, um, just give you a quick weather update on this game. There was rumblings this week that snow could be a factor. At the moment, there's a system coming through Sunday night uh, that's going to go from midnight till about 11 a.m. Um, so it should clear up by the evening for that game. However, if weather obviously were seven days out, if anything changes and it comes a little later, then it could be a potential uh, factor for the game. Fair enough. Hey, if it's a snow game and it's snowing wonderful. like hell out there, oh, that's beautiful. Wonderful. Be a great game, great atmosphere up there in Orchard Park. Heck, wouldn't change my opinion on this game at all, though. I have the Patriots winning, getting the two points, and Ooh. winning outright. If the snow is a factor, I'll start with that. The Patriots are the dominant running team in, in you know, between the two of them. And I, when snow comes into it, you know, it's a lot harder to throw the ball. Uh, I personally don't have faith in Josh Allen to throw the ball effectively in that in, the, in those environments. We all know that Buffalo's running game has been absolutely atrocious all year. Outside of Josh Allen scrambling, uh, you know, for for you know their their rushing yards um, up there. So I give, I would take the Patriots again in that in that aspect. But the big thing for me here is Buffalo has been absolutely inconsistent with, like you said with how they've played over the last month, month and a half. They've basically alternated wins and losses uh, since they beat the Chiefs, uh, you know, at Arrowhead on October 10th. They've, they've, they've won, they've lost. They've won, they've lost. You know, they've won, they've lost. And, you know, a lot of that factor there is, is you know, the lack of the running game, the lack of the rush defense that they have, and Josh Allen turning the ball over. I mean, he's thrown he's – thrown, uh, a bunch of picks over the course of the last uh, the last the last month and a half, and if you bear with me a second, I'll get it up for you. Uh, he's I think he scored seven picks in his last his last four games, and you know you're going they're go, he's going against a Patriots defense that leads the league in interceptions this season with 19. Um, I I believe that he's going to commit some of those mistakes. I mean, obviously the environment that's going to be up there in Orchard Park. It's going to be it's going to be you know. Uh, crazy, you know, the fans are going to be into it. It's going to be, you know, you say for the battle for the the AFC East, it very well could, you know, play a major impact uh, in deciding the standings at the end of the year. Um, you know, I joked earlier, this is, this is, this is Buffalo's annual Super Bowl when they play the Patriots up in Orchard Park. You know, they all get riled up. They all get ready to go. This is their Super Bowl. I just don't think that they're going to have enough to do it. They've been wildly inconsistent. And, you know, Jay, you talk about last week for Mac Jones. Mac, Mac Jones, in terms of his grade, uh, you know, on pro football focus last week, had his worst game as an NFL player last week against against the Titans. And it's because he missed a lot of, you know, a lot of passes he should have hit. If, 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 he's, if his worst performance is going to be 300 yards and two touchdowns, hell, I'll take that all day. And um, I, I have no faith in the Buffalo Bills defense uh, to, to, to stop the, the balanced attack that the, that, the, that the Patriots put out every week. And, you know, I know the Bills had success on the ground against the Saints last week. But let's be honest, we just ripped the Saints early on in this podcast. The Saints are nothing to write home with. They were without their top two running backs. The Patriots are a, the definition of a running team. To set up the pass, and I, I really have faith in Mac Jones in his decision making. Uh, again, his his worst performance graded last week by Pro Football Focus, and I believe he completed seventy percent of his passes. I'll take that all day. The, the, his decision making, uh, he's not going to commit that 
that crucial uh, mistake in the game. And, you know, the loss of Tredavious White obviously plays into that. He's a massive loss for that secondary for the Buffalo Bills. So, so give me the Patriots to win outright. I, I had a conversation with a, with a good friend of mine who's a Giants fan uh, about this game uh, earlier this week. And the only scenario in this game that I don't foresee happening is the Patriots getting blown out of Orchard Park. I think that the Patriots have, a, have an opportunity to blow out the Buffalo Bills, but a more likelihood, like you guys, I'm with you. It's going to be decided by a field goal. It's going to be a close game, a hard-fought battle. Either team could win, but I'm going with the Patriots, uh, you know, getting the two points and to win outright. My boy Parker, thank God, agrees with me. <laughs> Go Patriots. You probably put two that. Patriot logos no, down and put no, a bunch of traits. No, let's, no. let's be honest here. I've been we got we to gotta vet the process. I want chain of custody on these picks, okay? Yep. <laughs> my, boy, yep. my boy picked the, the Titans picks were over stolen. Last we're going to storm your house. Okay. We're going to storm Do your it. house. Do it. <laughs> We've, seen it. We've seen it in Icarus, the documentary. I want yep. chain of custody, all right, Burge? Yep. Get, chain get, of custody. Get ready. For next Tuesday, if the Patriots win this game, because I'm gonna be a freaking madman. Get ready. When I'm aren't look- you a madman? Yeah, I was like, when I was like, yeah, you quote it, tweet everybody. Oh, like, win or like, loss? When aren't you a madman? You ain't, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. I was like, oh, wait a minute, it can go up another level. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing. The wor- yet. In the words of Al Pacino, in scent of a woman. I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> You have no idea. You have no idea. So oh, what? Yeah. So what happens if the opposite happens? Are, are you going to be in a soft room eating soft food? Are we going to have to like get visitation rights to see you and do the recording? Like I get my I get my window that night to you know, you know, calm down. But like, that, calm down my the, ass. Calm that, down my ass. Put it this way. Put it this way. If the Patriots are blown out. I'm going to be like Jay on, on Saturday. Don't, you know, do yeah. wellness checks on me. If that happens. Do wellness checks. <laughs> if, if they lose a close game, you're not going to get that out of me. Like, Listen. it's going to be, I, 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 I've been with Jay on this kind of consistently. Like, this is the one game that, that concerns me as a Patriots fan mm-hmm. sure. uh, the rest of the season. And I'm picking them to win because I, I like what they're doing. And, you know, you could say, you know, they rushed, they got rushed on for 260 yards or whatever it was against the Titans. But the fact of the matter is, on this win streak that they've been on, they haven't just beat these teams that you can argue are bad teams. They've, they've blown them out. Like, the, these games have never really been in doubt. I mean, you can make a case that, you know, the final score in the Titans game doesn't really reflect how the game was played. But again, I expected that because of the, the Mike Vrabel factor in that game. I, you know... You weren't scared of him, Jay, but like the, the, the Titans aren't a team I want to meet in the playoffs just for that 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 aspect of it. You know, we've already seen it happen once uh, a couple of years ago uh, in Brady's last game as a Patriot. I, he's a guy that I don't. He he's he's a great coach in in the NFL, and I really don't want to see any part of him. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I mean, they've really really handled their their business in the in over these six games, and nothing really has has come to light to make me want to question what they've been doing yet. This could be the, this could be the week, but as, as it stands on Tuesday, November 30th, nothing makes me want to question what they're doing. 
Yeah, and, and the key matchup that I'm watching for is, uh, is it probably going to be J.C. Jackson versus yeah. Stephon Diggs? And if that's Absolutely. the case, I want to see who wins that matchup. And we all know who J.C. Jackson is. He, he's Mr. Right Guy all the time. Even the pick that he had against the Titans when I was watching the highlights the next day. He, he wasn't even in the picture, and Devin McCourty hits it, and he goes up and gets it for the interception. He's always right there. He's always ball hawking. And I, I've got so much respect for Stefan Diggs. Like, he ran that route against the Saints. It was like a beautiful, like, master class on how to run a crisp route and break off a really good defender in uh, Marshawn Lattimore. So I want to see how that game pans out. And then I, I want to see if, if the Patriots can establish a running attack against that defense as well. You know, that defense for the Bills has been up and down as the whole team has, but there's some good, you know, elite talent on that defensive side. And, and if the Patriots can impose their will and run the ball, I think that's going to go miles for for uh, for winning this game. The one thing you can't get up there in Orchard Park with that with that scene and those fans, 70,000 running at football, you can't Losers. put this solely on Mac Jones and try to have him throw 40 times. If that's the case, mm-hmm. there's a good chance it could get away. But you've got to lean on the running attack and you've got to establish it early. And the key is you got to stick with that running attack even if you're not getting those, you know, three, four yards a pop, and you're only gaining one or two, you've got to stick with it because eventually you wear them down in the third and fourth quarter. Stick with Damian Harris and, mm-hmm. and Ramondre Stevenson. I don't, if they're going to start running Brandon Bolden out of the backfield, you're in for a rough day. Mm-hmm. Like, Brandon Bolden is, has been great this year. And, you know, I used to have a saying with my buddies, like, don't be a Brandon because of Brandon Bolden. <laughs> it's like we saw, him on the, we saw him on the field, and we were like, what the hell is he doing out there? We've retired that slogan this year because he has been – absolutely effective in the role that they've asked him to play like if you're gonna if you're gonna run screens to Brandon Bolton do it all day because he has been he's proven this year that he can he can get what you need you're not gonna get anything extra you're not gonna get like the major big big play out of him but if you need seven yards on a screen pass he's gonna get it and stick with Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris running the ball don't line up in the single back formation with Brandon Bolden in the backfield if I see that then I know we're going to be in for a rough day. Yeah. I just, I just can't wait for that, that to happen. And I just can't wait for that to happen. You're just losing your friggin' mind on Twitter. Like, that's that's kind of what I'm here for. Chaos. Oh, okay. Okay. Chaos. Okay. You're here for the chaos, Mr. Bills fan. Got it. Hey, Got I'm, it. Just, hey Got it. I'm just saying. Hey, I've, I've been a fair evaluator of Buffalo. Consistently inconsistent. Star Lutalele is going to be back off of COVID. I think he actually practiced this week. I mean, the, the Star Lutalele addition back on the defensive line is going to be crucial because, like, it, this run defense has been bad, and it's been bad for a while. Uh, but if if you get that big body up there, he's not a Vita Vea by any stretch of the imagination, but he can plug a damn hole. And if you can get – you can plug the block, you can plug the hole, get off your block – and maybe get some guys in to clean up after you, that's going to be a small victory in itself. And, you know, listen, the the Pats have been hot. I'm not going to be unrealistic here. They've been one of the hottest teams in football right now. But I think this is going to be a really, really big test of going against a Leslie Frazier defense. If if they can do that, then, yeah, I'm with with you, Jay. Like, then New England's a Super Bowl contender. But uh, I, I really want to see what they're going to look like against this litmus test against Buffalo. Yeah. How do feel about your boy Josh Allen? Because he, he rebounded, yes, in, in ways against the Saints. Uh, 82% completion percentage, 260 yards, four touchdowns, 115 rating. But he also threw two interceptions as well. Um, and, you know, Burch has a stat of seven interceptions over the last four games. That's, that's a high number. And with the Patriots and who they are on defense, they're probably, go- like, like Belichick says, he's going to throw you a few balls. 
is he gonna, you know, what do you expect from him on a Monday night? Do you expect a clean, concise game? Do you see him potentially having a couple turnovers? What is the general feel you're getting with Josh Allen going up against his defense? I, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a turnover or two. I mean, realistically, I think he is going to have an interception. Uh, but I think you're going to look to see uh, Brian Dable to try to get the consistent, get into a rhythm, get the ball to Cole Beasley a bit more. You know, we really need to get Emmanuel Sanders involved in the war a little bit because he really hasn't shown up a whole lot. And part of that might be game plan. Part of that might just be how the, the game has gone. Like, you know, the, the game was so out of reach against the Indianapolis Colts. Like, it, it was just a lost game, really a halftime at that point. But I, I want to see more out of Emmanuel Sanders. Like, maybe he gets the underneath route. You get Stephon Diggs to take the top off of defense, open up the underneath. Uh, you get Cole Beasley involved. You get uh, Sanders involved a bit more. I really want to see Gabe Davis get involved a, a whole lot more as well, too. Um, but I, I would like to see a little bit more of the high completion percentage type of throws. Let's not do the YOLO ball as much. But realistically, I think he's going to throw a pick. Yeah. I mean, that, let's just be real. And it's the complete opposite for the Buffalo Bills, and I don't know if you agree with me on this, Puma, where the Patriots got to run the ball and keep it in tight quarters and run the ball, eye formation, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think with the Bills, you got to spread it out. You know, this Patriots defense doesn't have many um, weaknesses, especially the front seven is phenomenal. You can't run in the front seven. But that defensive secondary can be had. I mean, you've seen throughout the year, you know, the teams Jaylen that have Mills. had success. Oh, Jalen exactly. Mills is uh, the cornerstone of that exactly, secondary. Right? Exactly, right? Those teams that have had great success is like the Cowboys spreading them out and obviously uh, the Buccaneers won the game. And, and, and for some reason, the Texans had success as well, spreading the ball out and throwing it all over the field. But they've got to take that tactic where they've got to attack Jalen Mills on secondary. Um, do not run the ball on that front seven because that's a losing battle. And then you're playing mm-hmm. into New England's hand. See, yep. see, for me, I think that I think that the way that the coaching staff is going to scheme this game defensively is they're going to they're going to be happy to give up 200 yards on the ground in this game. If mm-hmm. if Buffalo comes out runs 200 runs for 200 yards, the Patriots are going to win the game. They're gonna they're gonna try and do everything they can to force Buffalo into running running the ball. They're going to take away. They're going to try to do whatever they can to take away Diggs, Beasley. Um, obviously, like you said, Puma. If they get Sanders going, that's a whole other story. But I, I really believe that the defensive game plan from the Patriots is going to be to dare Matt Breida, Devin Singletary. I'm not sure if uh, if Zach Moss is going to play in this game, but if he does, they're going to dare all three of them to just run the ball. Even I Josh honestly Allen. wouldn't be surprised if Zach Moss is a healthy scratch again. Like mm-hmm. I would, I would not be shocked at all. I think they want speed out of that backfield. And Matt Breed, I mean, we saw it for years in San Francisco. Like he's one of the fastest players in the NFL. He can catch the ball at the backfield, and he can house it for, on a screen pass. So I think we're going to see a lot more of Matt Breed involved. And you know, listen, like it doesn't have to be handing the ball off at the backfield. Like you get, you line up Matt Breed out wide, you get maybe a bubble screen or something like that try to establish a little bit of a semblance of a run game so you're not having Josh Allen throw the ball 50 times in a game, like, that, you, that is going to be key in my opinion. Yeah, But yeah, like you said, Burge, you run the ball, you run the ball for 200 yards, you're getting away from what got you there. Let them – I really believe that the Patriots are going to try to do whatever they can to dare the Bills to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question for you, Burge, is so, you know, let's say you're in the defensive meeting with the Patriots – who is Belichick saying they're going to take away no matter what? Obviously, we've heard this over the years. He's going to go and take away what you do best, if it's a player or, or a scheme. What do you think he is focusing on taking away? 
Stefan Diggs it has to be the guy there. You, you know, you're not going to allow any kind of big play to happen uh, in the passing game with Stefan Diggs. I think they're going to be happy to give up three, four, five yards on the passing game and play the bend, don't break mentality defense and try to hold uh, Buffalo to field goals. I, I really believe that. And whether that's J.C. Jackson on Diggs with help from Phillips, Duggar, or, or McCourty, uh, safety help, I, I think that that's what they're going to be, be planning to do. And they'll be happy to give up the, you know, the little, you know, the, uh, as I say, the dip and dunk plays. I think they'll be happy to give that up to this offense and, you know, get stout in the red zone. I think that's what their, their, their plan is going to be. Okay. All right, cool, cool. Get Matthew Judon going early and mm-hmm. uh, getting into the backfield and generate that pass rush. Yeah. A pro tip, tell Chantel to put the uh, the bleach outside on Monday night just in case. She knows how to handle me when the Patriots lose. She knows how looked, to handle me. So It looked pretty appetizing to me on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not going to be appetizing to me. I'm just She's going to have to take my phone away from me so I don't go on ch- chirping people on Twitter. Please. Please. Can happen all the time? <laughs> uh, last thing, uh, Puma, did you end up watching that Bills, I'm sorry, that Colts uh, Hard Knocks where they had traveling up to Buffalo to play the Bills? What you think? What's your thoughts about that? Oh, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was great for, like, the homecoming of Frank Reich and having dinner with, you know, Steve Tasker and, yeah, and nice uh, Bruce Smith. And, you know, you have, uh, you had, what's it? Oh, DeForest Buckner. DeForest Buckner uh, meeting a, uh, Meeting uh, Bruce Smith, I thought it was great, and I just, I just love, I love Frank Reich. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't care. Like he's yeah. the man. He's, he's the right guy too. for the show. He, he's awesome, and you know it's gonna be great to see how the Colts rebound after that heartbreaking loss against Tampa Bay. So like I can't really wait to watch that Tomorrow episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, can't yeah, wait. You, you're spot on because I was ever a big Frank Reich fan, um, but I've grown. Just in two episodes, so much respect for him. Um, and there's a small scene in episode one where the the you know the night before Frank Grove is that the defensive lineman for the Colts is that his name? Uh, well, one of the defensive linemen had players over from the defense. Yeah, team bonding yeah, yeah. session. Team bonding session. He had food going. You know, they're all having a good time. And the next mm-hmm. day, Frank Reich hunted him down on the practice field and said, "Thank you for doing that. I appreciate you for doing that." So that's that's something small that in my mind just kind of resonated. I've become a big fan of just two episodes, and I'm really excited about this uh, this series tomorrow night to see how they play against the Buccaneers and the behind the scenes uh, footage of that. And and overall, I think so far this Hard Knocks has been a slam dunk. I've had so much fun with it in just two episodes. I hated what Hard Knocks has become in, in training camp, but this is a is a really good look into what a day on a weekly operation is for a for a football team during the season. Yes, sir. Apparently, I got to get on this train and start watching it because I haven't watched a single episode yet. But you're missing out. It's good. Hey, if I if I need anything more to love Frank Reich at this point, boom! I gave you a hard hard time last year about him, but I am on the Frank Reich train. I love what he's doing in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely give it a watch tomorrow night because tomorrow night they're going to be recapping the that Buccaneers week leading up and how they game plan, and then obviously the the game itself it was a tremendous game. I, I ended up watching Absolutely. the highlights that night. Uh, I, all all day Sunday, dude. I, I like I didn't even want to touch football, dude. I, I was out with France trying to keep my mind off of it. I was like just in a bad spot, dude. But I, eventually I got around <laughs> to watching it, and and it was good, you know. So so it was good stuff. Sick. All right, let's uh, let's do uh, some best bets with the Puma, where he's gonna try to help you win some cold, hard cash. 
cash. So all of these bets that I got, I got off of the unofficial official sports book of the Pro Football Radio Podcast, and that's the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Uh, legal in a bunch of states now if you're living in the nutmeg state known as Connecticut. Uh, they have a couple of deposit bonuses going on. They got the same game parlays going on. It's also college basketball season. They got a bunch of promos going on uh, for betting with DraftKings. And I love the app. Super easy to use. Great customer service. But the bets that I got going on here, and I like to think that was a good live read, even though we're not getting paid for it, but I don't really care. Um, so a couple of the bets that I got going on in this game. I got Cincinnati uh, laying three points against Oh, God, I have the damn thing here. I got Cincinnati laying three points here. Um, I like what they've done. Uh, they, they absolutely demoed the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. It wasn't even close. Uh, Joe Burrow seems to have really rounded into form. Uh, they, they The defense looked great. Jamar Chase started to get back on track. Uh, they're playing the Chargers at home in the jungle in Cincinnati. Uh, laying the three points, I think this is going to be a heavy Joe Mixon game just because we know how bad the Chargers are at stopping mm-hmm. the running attack here. Um, Berger, you probably got something to say on fantasy football about that. But um, I, I love Cincinnati laying the three points here. If you try to grab it now, it's at three and a half, uh, but that may change. Uh, I got Buffalo laying two and a half points. Um, if it w- if it stayed at a field goal, if it was that key number, I probably would have bet New England to cover the three points. But since we're inside of that field goal, um, I like Buffalo just getting getting the win outright, uh, winning by more than a field goal at this point. And then I got the Denver Broncos going against <clears throat> the Kansas City Chiefs. They're ten point underdogs. Uh, Kansas City, I don't care how great they've looked over the last couple of weeks, and they're coming off of a bye. Uh, They are terrible against the spread, and really the only thing that Teddy Bridgewater does is cover the spread. Uh, A fantastic record as an underdog and just covering in general. Uh, So I like Denver catching 10 points against the Kansas City Chiefs. And my last bet, I got the uh, Indianapolis Colts and the Philadelphia Eagles in a teaser. Um, I got Indianapolis Teased them down to uh, two and a half point favorites here. And then I also teased down the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles down basically to a, a pick them. I got them down to, uh, to half a point against the New York Jets. Granted, we don't really know what's going on with the Eagles at this time. Jalen Hurts, he's been dinged up. They're starting to get Gardner Minshew getting some first team reps today. But it's the New York Jets against, you know, Zach Wilson or Mike White or Joe Flacco or... You know, Uncle Rico, for all we know, just because of how much <laughs> of a coaching carousel it's been in the Big Apple and the Indianapolis Colts against the the Houston Texans. Houston's a tough team. They've played tough. They've looked a lot better with Tyrod Taylor uh, under center, but it's a it's a bit of a big of a number. I teased that down to two and a half. So to recap, Cincinnati laying three points against the Chargers. Buffalo laying two and a half against the New England Patriots. Indianapolis and Philadelphia. In a teaser, Indy down to two and a half against the Houston Texans. Philadelphia down to half a point against the New York Jets. And the Denver Broncos as a 10-point road dog against the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow. Go wow. Patriots. Um, didn't, want to bet on your, didn't want to bet on your football team there, huh? I haven't decided yet. Like, it's been fluctuating around two and a half, three points. You, you may get to it. I, I want to see what 
the J.D. McKissick injury news looks like. And honestly, to, to see how Antonio Gibson's going to look, because there was a point last night where he went down and it looked yes, awkward. So, like, I want to see how that transpires and see what practice looks like. You know, if it's still around, like, three points, you know, I might I might grab the points at that point. But yeah. we'll see. Listen, what I, this is, in my opinion, a lock. Um, and this is the SEC championship game where Georgia and Alabama are playing. And Alabama is a six-and-a-half-point underdog. Um, the actual line moved down to, it was like seven down, like six-and-a-half from what I saw uh, like a day ago. But take Alabama, man. Take, take six-and-a-half, take Alabama. Mm-hmm. There's a really good chance this is going to be a field goal game where Alabama is going to win outright. I know Alabama has had a down year, but just like the Kansas City Chiefs scare everybody right now, that's the same feeling in college football. Alabama is going to wake up eventually, and they, there's a good chance they can win this game against Georgia. So I would take that. I would take that. that that's an absolute lock in my opinion. Hmm. Puma, put Puma, put some money on Alabama. Do it, Puma. Me. Do it, Puma. Dude, I don't know, man. I got you know, they look like dog shit against Auburn, man. Okay, okay. Like, but was I not spot on right about the Michigan one? You're, you're right. You're right. You were. You were. We, we talked I about would, that last week. I would. It was Alabama. horrifying. It was horrifying. Laying, you know, trying to put a bet in with khaki pants, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, take and it that, easy. That's my head coach. Take it easy. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. No disrespect. Yeah, so so think about the sleep on that or actually keep an eye on that, Puma. I don't know what, what information you gather to make your decisions, but keep an eye on that and how that spread moves. And then also the Iowa-Michigan game, uh, the Big Ten Championship game on Sunday, Saturday night. Uh, right now, Michigan's a 10.5-point favorite. And I'm not as confident as I was last week with the, with the Michigan pick, but I still feel that number is, is really high, and Iowa is going to keep it a close game. So I would keep an eye on that as well, but I don't feel nearly as strongly about that as I do about that Alabama-Georgia game. Hmm. Okay. Because I, right. I can also see Michigan coming out and just blowing the doors off of Iowa. Like, th- it could get to a point where, you know, that this is that classic case of, Either like Iowa's going to pull the upset or Michigan's going to pull the doors off of Iowa. So you have to fall somewhere in between there. But that Alabama one, that's definitely that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Okay. Okay. Cool, cool. And then finally, we've got the Fantasy Bulls with Birch. Uh, back by popular demand. He's going to fill you in on who you should be targeting this week for your fantasy football lineups. Can we just talk about injuries real quick? Yeah, sure. talk about it. Christian my, uh, McCaffrey. My knee hurts. Oh my God. <laughs> my knee hurts. My God. My, my back God. hurts. <laughs> my foot hurts. That's Christian McCaffrey every single day. A uh, dude, uh, like you, Jay. I went with Christian McCaffrey this year, and, he, and now he's out for the season. It's I even knew it. I even knew it. Like, I had a feeling. I was like, "Don't trust them." I, like, I still did it. Yeah. No, you you made the right choice at the time, and you can't fault yourself for that. But it's. Fantasy football's a game of luck, and, you know, you dealt a bad card with Christian McCaffrey. He had the ankle injury, and, again, I was talking with one of my buddies about this. Seems like a situation where they're just going to shut him down because the Panthers are have been an absolute train wreck. Cam Newton looked like absolute hot garbage last week uh, in the game, and why risk this guy that they invested so much money in? I think, Jay, you said he's played 10 games since he signed the big contract Yep, uh, in uh... our chat. He's missed 23 of 33 eligible starts since he signed his contract. Which is unbelievable. So they're protecting their investment right now. They're going to shut him down for the year, which obviously hurts our, you know, Christian McCaffrey owners uh, in their fantasy, you know, playoff run here. And I was one of them. And 
dude, I've lost five straight games in my dynasty league mm. just on basis of pure bad luck. Uh, so I'm going to be trying to dig into the waiver wire here to try to help my team. Um, some some guys you got to look for, obviously, with Christian McCaffrey going down, if Chubba Hubbard is available in your league, go out there and, you know, if you have an auction bid, go out there and spend the house to get him because, you know, when McCaffrey was out earlier in the year, he was an effective uh, an effective player to, uh, you know, fill in. Uh, bye weeks, injuries, etc. He, you know, he did what he needed to do there. Uh, another guy that I, you know, my favorite Patriot this year, uh, Kendrick Bourne, who seems to be the Patriots' best receiver at this point, um, had two touchdowns, I believe, in the game against the Titans, and has looked really good. Seems to have a real uh, chemistry with Mac Jones, uh, so definitely grab him if he's on your waiver wire he's already on my team i picked him up a few weeks ago uh kind of stash him away for bye week injury filler absolutely grab him jamal williams is another one deandre swift got banged up on thanksgiving i believe he left the game uh you know early early on there uh if he can't go this week jamal williams is an absolute you know their next guy up uh he's been involved uh in the detroit offense despite DeAndre Swift being there. Um, and another one, interesting one to keep out for if nobody has to handcuff, is Alexander Madison up in Minnesota. Dalvin Cook got carted off the field uh, on Sunday with a shoulder injury, dislocated shoulder, and it sounds like he tore his labrum as well. Sounds like they may rest him a bit to you know get ready for their playoff run. So, so those are the guys that I'm targeting. Another dark horse, uh, if Daryl Henderson cannot go, uh, for the Rams, uh, you know, in their next game, Sony Michelle uh, is, is is a guy you got you got to you got to look at because of you know the Rams have had their struggles in the past game. Uh, they have to establish the run to be able to be successful. Sony Michelle is the next man up there if Daryl Henderson can't go. Cool, cool, sounds good. I uh, I just put in a claim for. For Chuba Hubbard, I just dropped. Uh, well, just dropped. I put I put a waiver claim in for for Chuba uh, in place of Christian McCaffrey, and then I also put in a claim for what's this kid's name? The guy out of uh, the Cardinals, uh, J- Connor. He's still available in my league for some reason. So I just put a claim. Oh, James wow. Connor's available in your league. Yeah. He's like a touchdown leader. I know. Absolutely I know, right? snag him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I don't, I don't know what's happening there. I'm actually gonna. Yeah, I just put that in right now. I think I don't know why somebody dropped him. Hmm, he should be your priority one. He should be your priority one. Uh, Must have yeah. been a bye week thing because they came off their bye week yeah. uh, this week. So somebody may have dropped him to kind of try to fill in their roster. Uh, but absolutely, he's number one. A note on Chubba Hubbard, even when McCaffrey was, you know, came back from that, I think it was a hamstring injury, they were still involving Hubbard in the game, uh, in their game plan. He was still getting touches uh, even with CMC there. Um, I'm just reading a stat right now. Uh even when CMC was out, Hubbard was averaging 20 touches a game. Hmm. So they're involving their backs even when McCaffrey's not there. We all know what McCaffrey is when he's healthy and he's fully involved in that offense. He's the number one fantasy player when he's healthy. If they're going to try to groom Hubbard to be in that role, picking him up would be an absolute steal. So Connor, Hubbard, go for it. All right. I just put that in. 
What do you uh, what do you make of uh, Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris? Who's gonna get the obviously Damian Harris doesn't get the lead touches, but do you think uh, Stevenson can maybe outperform him? So it, it's interesting you bring that up because I actually played Ramondre Stevenson this week because mm. I was I was so ravished with injuries and bye weeks and everything and. You know, the way that they, they've been very consistent with how they've used their running backs uh, this year, they, they pretty much have been alternating possessions. Mm-hmm. So one possession Harris, one possession Stevenson. I don't think that's going to change, uh, you know, the rest of the season. So you're kind of gambling when you play uh, either one of them at this point that they're going to get the touchdown. Obviously, Harris got the touchdown last week because it was his possession to be on the field. But if... Stevenson's possession is, you know, they're making the same play. Stevenson scores that touchdown. I think they're both great running backs, but it's kind of that same mantra that we've heard over the last, you know, 15 years with the Patriots where it's like you really don't want to be trusting a Patriots running back to have to carry your week. And uh, reminder, Stevenson has an opportunity to really seize the job. I know Damian Harris, I think, has one more year on his contract in New England. Yeah. But – He's, he's clearly established himself a role there. And, uh, you know, with them alternating possessions and all that, it's kind of a boom or bust scenario in terms of fantasy. Yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully I land uh, Connor and I don't have to worry about none of that. Yeah. It, dude, I can't. I'm so shocked that Connor's on your, yeah, your looks waiver like wire right now. somebody dropped him. You're right during the bye week. You were spot on, and they picked up uh, somebody to plug in for that week. But their, uh, their loss is my, uh, my gain. Yeah, Con- on my dynasty team, Connor right now is my best running back because I have Aaron Jones and McCaffrey. Aaron Jones was an absolute dud coming back from injury on Sunday night. I ended up playing him. Uh, you know, we, we we talked off on the in the chat about it. Like, what do I what do I do here? Because I was even I was torn about it because I'm like I need upside. I need I need you know something. And it ended up again being the right call because the Seattle Seahawks are in absolute dismay. And DK Metcalf would have been nothing for me. Uh, I don't think he got targeted till the fourth quarter in that game. So, um, but yeah, I, the fact I think I'm pretty sure he's the touchdown leader. At least he was going into his bye week uh, for running backs. Uh, you know, this season he, he's a goal line vulture. He takes all the the goal line carries for the Cardinals. So, if he's your number one priority uh, in terms of your waiver claims, so make sure you have that set up properly. <laughs> yep. Yep. So that's all I got for for, for fantasy. I I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, taking Jay's uh, mantra here about the uh, screw fantasy aspect of it because I've had the absolute worst mm-hmm. luck this year. Mm-hmm. And Talk about just, it. It's it's so disappointing. Like I had, dude, I I understand the 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 injury risk with McCaffrey. He was hurt. He, you know we we knew what he was. He you know injury prone. This and that. But when healthy, he's the best fantasy running back. I went into the season with McCaffrey and Derrick Henry as my top running backs. Oof. Both of them out Ouch. for the year. And, 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 again, I was talking with one of my buddies about this, and we looked it up. Like I think it was like the top five or six consent, consensus running backs for fantasy have all either missed con- consistent time this year or on IR right now. You have Dalvin Cook, who's going to be hurt. You have McCaffrey. You have Saquon Barkley. You have... Uh, Derrick Henry, so there's four right there. You had uh, Ezekiel Elliott, who's been dinged up most of the year. You, these are the consensus top running backs, and they keep getting hurt. So it's one of those things where like you may have to kind of adapt your your fantasy strategy if you're going to keep going with it, Jay. 
and maybe wide receivers are the way to go. It's 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 been a very very weird year in terms of this. I don't know if it's the added game in the NFL or the reduced preseason training camp schedule for them that are causing all these injuries, but the running backs have been absolutely taking a hit this year in terms yeah. of fantasy. Well, listen, I mean, McCaffrey, obviously, we talked about it already, and then my second pick, my second running back that I went after was Najee Harris, and yeah, he's produced, but it's not what I thought it was going to be. It's not like, you know, just blowing my doors off on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. So I think you, you might have something, you might have a point there. Like some of these wide receivers and some of the numbers they put up, like Stephon Diggs is crushing for me for on a weekly basis. Uh, Hollywood Brown's been crushing, crushing, crushing for me on a weekly basis. Um, and truthfully, and now Gronk, he's back as well, and Brady looks to Gronk at all times. Obviously, he was hurt for quite a bit there, but anytime you put Gronk in, it's like double-digit points. So uh, it's, it's definitely a good point that you bring up that you might have to adjust your strategy, and I thought I was doing that because I, I put a really high... Uh, I, I took a, a Kyle Pitts really high as well just because I figured he'd be a wide receiver, tight end duo, and he'd always going to get targets. But he's only had two weeks this whole year where he had double-digit numbers. The rest of them is 2.2.6, 6, 1, 7, 3. And then two weeks he had 18 and 19 in my league. So it's just all over the place, yeah, man. Absolutely. I mean, again, just to throw some more names out, Kamara's missed significant time. Nick Chubb has missed time. Aaron Jones has missed time. I mean, the most consistent running back uh, this season in terms of fantasy has been Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. who's been probably the top running back uh, in, in fantasy. and in preseason rankings, he was ranked 8th. So just to put it in perspective a bit, Joe Mixon was ranked 12th. And mm-hmm. he's been, again, an absolute stud, uh, stud running back this year in fantasy, especially over the last few weeks. So it, injuries happen. We all know that they do. And, you know, they can derail a fantasy well, season as part of the luck of the, uh, luck of the game. And... The wide receivers have stayed more relatively healthy than, than the running backs have. Yeah, and, and that's the point there, right? I mean, just because of the physical pain and the, and the bashing that these running backs take, it might be smart just to take high-end receivers. I mean, imagine right now if you had, like, Jamal Adams and Tyree Kill instead of these bums. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's... I'm sorry, it, not something uh, else. Devontae, Devontae Adams and... and Devontae Adams, Adams, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, uh, you were right, Devontae Jamal Adams. Adams best of the nation. <laughs> Devontae Adams has missed time, too, this year. So, yeah. I mean, you can't count him. I mean, Calvin Ridley was the fourth-ranked wide receiver oh, oh, on fantasy he, pros. He was my he was my third overall pick. He was gone as well, dude. <laughs> yeah, so it's just one of those things where, like, if you're going to take – especially if you have a high pick, you're going to take one of these guys that is an absolute workhorse and, you know, gets, you know, all the touches out of the backfield. Make sure you have depth at that position to fill in uh, in the event these guys get hurt. I mean – Miles Sanders missed time. DeAndre Sift has missed time. James Robinson's been okay. Devin Montgomery's missed time. Chris Carson's out for the year. I mean, I'm, I'm just naming off like a bunch of these running backs, and they've all been getting dinged up this year. And I, and it, as as a veteran fantasy player, I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around why this is happening. Is it the extra game? Is it the reduced training camp off season program because of COVID? Is it the lack of preseason activity? You know. It, it could all play into it, and obviously the extra pre- extra regular season game is here to stay. So it's something we may have to look at to to really adjust our expectations uh, uh, in terms of drafting that bell cow back. Obviously, if you're top one, two, three pick, you're kind of pot committed at that point. But when you get into the middle picks of the of your round in your draft, you, you we're at the point now where you have to really start thinking about it. Mm-hmm. 
Imagine if you had Cooper Cup and Debo Samuel right now. If you right? Like, like, nobody saw that. that coming. No, I mean, nobody shit. Saw, Cordero yeah. Patterson, throw him in there. Oh, like, God. Yeah. Puma, your boy, uh, Jalen Wada had a hell of a game the other night as well. He did. Yep. He did. Yep. Went off for 30 points. Too yeah. bad uh, he wasn't on my roster. No, I went <laughs> with uh, Kyle Pitts instead. Genius. I, I saw one, uh, one of his plays where he's, like, pulling away from the DBs, and I'm like, damn, that's just speed, man. You can't teach that shit. <laughs> nope. Nope. No, you can't. Cool, cool. All right, well, listen, fellas, that's really all I've got, and we're, we're kind of dragging on to 90 minutes now. Um, so, Puma, if you want to, if you have anything else, Bernie, if you have anything else, let's, let's call it a day. Now, let's get, let's get the hell out of here. This episode of the pod and previous episodes of the podcast can be found under Pro Football Radio Podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts. Be sure to hit that little bell button on YouTube, the little subscribe button, get that <laughs> notification when the new video comes out once the captain is done in the lab cutting things up for you guys uh social media platforms facebook instagram pro football radio podcast twitter machine at uh pf uh p oh my god pro pfr podcast i i am freaking tired bro i i'm ready for a nap uh i'm on the twitter machine brando underscore puma j chima the captain of the ship is at Jay Chima, the senior contributor, senior analyst of the pod. Eric Burgess, a.k.a. The Burge, is on the Twitter machine at Burge the Goalie. And I know I keep forgetting this in the plug. The TikTok page is that is just pro football radio podcast, right? That, that, Amen. Is, that is it. Yep. Hit us up on TikTok. We'll get those little shorts out there for you. All social media platforms. Hit us up in the DMs. Like, subscribe, download, share, and uh, look forward to talking to you guys next week about some crazy NFL storylines and more than likely more crazy college football storylines going on too. Look forward to the Twitter battles over the next week. Let's go. Let's go. All right, well, listen, uh, wonderful having you guys listen to us. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, Condio. Peace.